Hello friends, this is once again The Whiskey Reporter, and I am your host, Kripal Sukumar. As my regular co-host Steve Kerr is unavailable this week, I thought rather than try to cover new ground without him, I'd provide a different viewpoint or impression of a couple of the whiskeys that Steve covered in the show before I, I joined him. Today I'll be going over my thoughts and impressions of two whiskeys by the Glenmorangie Distillery, which Steve covered in episode 3, or 4, depending on how you count it. Which is which was immediately preceding my first episode on the show. I'll be starting with one of my very old and perhaps oldest favorite Scotch, the Glenmorangie Original Ten Year Old. I've have some in my glass right now because reviewing a Scotch or, or uh, take, you know talking about my notes of, of a Scotch without some in my glass would be rather silly. I think. Uh, the color is a pale gold. It is lovely. Um, I do find there is a very slightly almost greenish tinge to it, oddly, but that's perhaps just an effect of the background I have with the lighting. The nose, very, very thick. Uh, I get a lot of notes of oh, floral citrus, uh, some stone fruit like nectarines or, or peaches, apple, as well as a, a spicy note in the background. Um, there is that very classic barley sugar nose that is really, really welcoming to me now. It, it's, it, it's a very nostalgic smell for me. Uh, as I have mentioned several times on the show, the Glenmorangie 10 was the first Scotch whiskey that I ever tried. And, in fact, the first whiskey that I ever actually enjoyed. And going back to it time after time, I am still quite enamored of it, shall we say. Uh... I'm also getting notes of honey and apples, some almost burnt sugar notes, a little bit of uh, vanilla, um, and, and I'm already having trouble keeping the saliva inside my mouth, so I'm just going to go ahead and taste it now. This is an extraordinarily lightly flavored whiskey. I don't want to say that it's light or, or thin or anything like that, because it isn't. It, it's remarkably refined, and it's very lively on my palate. It, there is... Oh, uh, a lovely vanilla and, and honey and malt and, and, um, some, some nutty, uh, notes as well. Almost like, um, uh, baked walnuts or things like that. I am, uh, the, the flavor actually develops quite gently over the palate, and I am really loving the sort of back-and-forth play that I'm getting. Things like that the honey and vanilla I already talked about, some caramel, some some fruit, some 
almost graham cracker notes inside there. It, it, it's it's really really nice. The finish is is not quite as long as as some we've talked about. It is quite long. It it is still developing on my palate, but it's very very gentle and it's quite subtle. Still getting that honeyed fruit. Still getting some of that barley and and that malt in there. Um, but those fresh flavors, the, the, the apple, the, the citrus, things like that are, are sort of fading very gently into the background. Uh, I suppose I need to talk about this in depth. Back in 2002, 2003, I started working at a bar. Uh, it was one of the many jobs I had, uh, as I transitioned myself back from being in the workforce and having moved around the country and moving back home, starting school, uh, sort of getting my life back together. And I was going to college that time, and I I took a job in an electronics store just to have something to do, and sort of grew a little bit tired of that and decided that I needed more social interaction. So... As I do with myself from time to time, I took drastic action and got a job at a bar. Uh, well, excuse me, I got a job at a restaurant. Started out um, bussing tables and, and helping out with the waiters, but started having some physical problems and talked to my manager who uh, asked me if I'd, I'd like to continue working there because he did like my work ethic and I ended up behind the bar. I had a friend there named Tim who walked me through, really, when we, we, we were, as with a lot of jobs, there are slow times, and we would talk about our experiences with liquor, because you know, we're surrounded by it, and we were talking about whiskeys, and, and I had really not had a good experience with a whiskey up until that point. Then again... I had just turned 22, I had been drinking for some number of years, more than one, and uh, my experiences with whiskey had not been good. They had been mixed in with other things, they had been straight shots of the things college students drink, and I was not at all uh, pleased by what I had experienced. And one of the whiskeys that we had on that bar was the Glenmorin G10. And after work one day, with our manager's permission, uh, we sat down and he taught me how to really taste a whiskey. It's something that I still think of him and thank him for to this day. And I am still using the knowledge I gained from him. His method was this. You pour a whiskey and you wait. You wait about something longer than a minute. Let let it be exposed to the air. Let it let it sit. Uh, let it regain some equilibrium. Then you nose it, and when you nose it, you don't put your nose down in it. You set your nose right about at the rim of the glass. The tip of your nose must be above the rim of the glass. I, I usually do a two to three centimeter separation, but it's it, it really is up to you. Then you inhale gently. Not drawing in strongly, as, as you would trying to sniff a flower or something like that, but just inhale gently and let whatever is there come across your, your palate and, and, and be informed by that. 
then take a sip of the whiskey and wait. Hold it in your mouth for a couple of seconds and then swallow. And then wait again. When you have started to salivate again, when your mouth has started to produce that sort of response again and, and sort of has gotten back from the shock, take a small sip of water that spreads out all of the uh, flavors throughout your mouth so all the different parts of your tongue can really taste it. This is the way I was taught to really taste a whiskey. And I was taught with specifically this whiskey. And it's been one of my favorites ever since. For a very good reason. It's remarkably economical, but it's also never disappointed. Never ever. It is always something that is dependable and generally quite lovely. But enough about my old standard. Let's move on to the Glenmorangie Tale of Cake. Now, I first heard about this whiskey in oh, mid-2020, uh, when it was announced that there was going to be a uh, virtual tasting with Dr. Bill Lumsden. And as you have all learned by now, I pay attention to those things because I like to hear him talk. Uh, because normally I learn quite a lot when he talks. So I went ahead and tried to find a bottle of the whiskeys that he was going to be talking about, which were the Glenmorangie Original 10-year-old, which I already had, the Ardbeg Wee Beastie, and the Glenmorangie Tale of Cake. I couldn't find the Tale of Cake. I couldn't find the Tale of Cake anywhere. I ended up having to order a bottle online and have it shipped to me because nowhere in Maryland had it. No one in Maryland knew when they were going to get it. And I was was rapidly approaching the date of the tasting, and I really wanted to have it in my hot little hands. So I went ahead and bought it. And I got it. And I was absolutely shocked. First of all, the, the, the box is a riot of colors. It looks like a birthday cake. It is covered in pastels and shapes and stars and all kinds of things, and I was kind of honestly shocked by it. Then I pulled out the bottle, and the theme continues onto the bottle itself. And I was wondering, Dr. Bill, what have you done? I actually waited. It was only a few days until the tasting was supposed to happen. And, and I'm going to go ahead and uh, post a link to that virtual tasting in the Whiskey Reporter group so you can see it, just to, to, to understand how ridiculous this is. And the way he talks about whiskeys, the way he talks about flavors, the way he talks about how things develop and the memories it drags up. But you're not here to talk to me about my reactions or listen to me talk about my reactions. You're here to listen to me, hopefully, inform you about this whiskey. This is quite surprising. This whiskey smells like birthday cake. The first nose off of it is your generic yellow vanilla cake with the white buttercream frosting 
There's even slight notes of the sort of raw processed sugar from the like uh, confetti sprinkles and stuff like that on it. It's it's honestly delicious, but completely and utterly at odds with the fact that this is a whiskey. Uh, there's notes of nuts, uh, more pecan or um, almond than really uh, walnut, things like that. Honeycomb. And it's very pleasant, and, and it's nostalgic, and it, it kind of warms your heart and, and grabs at you in places that you're not quite sure a whiskey should do. But it it was... Really, really, just shockingly good. I could talk about the fact that there were notes of lemon and honey and vanilla and that sort of cooked citrus you get from marmalade and, and almost a, a, a caramelly, um, oh, not quite burnt sugar. But it, it, it doesn't convey the actual depth of the sensory barrage that you experience with this whiskey. The first sip is almost surprisingly not as sweet as the nose would lead you to believe. Yes, it, it does read sweet, but it's remarkably smooth. It is not cloying in any way. The, the flavors of the cake come through. There's Things like uh, roasted uh, pastry and and pound cake and and you know milk chocolate and orange notes and and candied almond, uh, lemon toffee uh, pears. It, there's uh, there's so much. The mouth feels very enjoyable. It it doesn't stick to the tongue in in the way that some others do, but it's also not so light that you almost don't realize it's there. It, it, it's really very balanced overall. The finish... How, how do I describe this? I got a jar of key lime marmalade once, and, and then I, I got a whole case of it later on, but th that's a different story. Um, just because I was curious about it, and the very first time I had it, I spread some of it on very fresh sourdough bread, and it was just this lovely experience. There, there's, uh, I'm, 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 I'm diverging. I do, I do that a lot. Have you noticed? Um, but this is not the same thing. This is very much like as if I'd spread that key lime marmalade on shortbread. That buttery, uh, sweet, baked flavor that just coats your tongue, and with those citrus notes and the sweetness and the almost tropically... Uh, it, 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 it's, it's edging more towards pineapple, I think, but there's also things like uh, that, those, that, the, that nut is there, the, the vanilla is, is still prevalent. This is really, really an absolutely lovely and fantastic whiskey, and I am... I was at that point, and still am very glad that I have a bottle. But 
I don't think that anyone who knows me has ever seen me say that I'm not glad to have a bottle of Glenmorangie in my house. Which I'm not. And I make no apologies for it. And in fact, uh, it's going to continue to happen. I'm, I'm going to keep buying stuff by Glenmorangie because it's just that good. I, I have never been truly disappointed by any whiskey I've ever gotten from that distillery. And if things continue to bear out, and, and, and this is going back 15, oh my god, uh, almost 20 years now, and I, I continue to be a, a huge fan. Now, something I do remember from my first tasting of this whiskey was that it was even kind of more interesting after the addition of water. So in this case, I'm going to go ahead and add a drop of water. And as I do, I'm going to hang out and wait a little while and talk to you about the fact that I didn't talk to you about the color. It's a deeper gold than the uh, Glenmorangie original, which makes sense. It is basically the original, which has been finished in a different cask for a year or two, which happens with a lot of Glenmorangie's whiskeys. A lot of what Glenmorangie is so famous for and what Dr. Poe is so famous for is his work in really fine-tuning the finishing process. That is, taking a stock of their regular whiskey or, or even a stock of whiskey and just turning it on its head or, or, or turning it a different direction through finishing. And it, it, it really is something I continue to appreciate in my whiskey journey because I keep coming back to Glenmorangie and I keep finding new things. And I go back to the Glenmorangie 10, which I haven't really paid a lot of attention to in many, many years, and I'm finding new things in it. And that is just the beginning of what I have started to learn about these whiskeys and this distillery. But enough of my musings. Let's go back to the what's inside the glass, since that's what we talk about. After the addition of water, the nose is more fruity, if that's possible. It, 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 the notes of pineapple and um, candied date and uh, almost passion fruit come up. The taste is even more intense, if that's what's possible to begin with. It is as if all of those flavors that I had gotten before, the pecan, the, the, the nuts, the vanilla, the butter, the honeycomb, the almond, the pound cake, the milk chocolate, it, it, it concentrated and, and rolling over and over and over again. There are almost bitter citrus notes edging into grapefruit, but I hate grapefruit, so it's not grapefruit. I, I, I dare you to tell me it's grapefruit. It's not grapefruit. Um, very sweet lemon, toffee, apricot. But there is a downside. The finish is remarkably short now. All of those things that I talked about before, the marmalade, the, the citrus concentrated cooked down fruit notes, the pineapple, the vanilla, the oak... It's all there, but it's just so concentrated together that it almost gets a bit confused. 
so if I could take the finish of it without water and the palette of it with, uh, uh, you know, this, this, this is all part of the trade-off. You have to decide how you like a whiskey best and, and what hits your palate best and, and what works for you in that moment. This whiskey works for me really, really well in pretty much every moment I could think of. And I am happy to have had it. I'm happy to have shared it. And I'm happy that all of you got to hear about it and share in that experience of it. Those of you out there, our listeners, who have managed to find some yourself, be very glad. Be very glad because you're lucky. We were kind of late to the party in talking about it. It was released mid-2020, and Steve didn't feature it until early 2021. And so I'm very glad some of you could get some of it. It's been a wonder to be able to share this with you. And I look forward to doing it again. That is the end of my glass, folks. And in fact, the end of what I have to say about these whiskeys. No, that's not true. That's a lie. I have plenty more to say about these whiskeys, but it's the end of what I have to share with you today. As always, be kind to yourselves and each other, and please do drink responsibly. The last thing that I would ask anyone or wish on anyone is to be punished for enjoying the things they love. This is Kripal Sukumar signing off. Cheers to all of you. Thank you.